And welcome to another edition of Starship Geek. We're talking about the Sandman. This is episode six, The Sound of Her Wings. We begin in a park with a bunch of people going about their day. Morpheus is sitting on a bench, and he is feeding pigeons from a rather large loaf of French bread. A man yells out, heads up, and without looking up, Morpheus catches a soccer ball before it hits him in the face. A woman sits down next to Morpheus. She asks what he's doing, and he says he's feeding the pigeons. She uses the Mary Poppins joke of, what do you get when you feed pigeons too much? You get fat pigeons. And then she asks if he has ever seen it, and he responds, no. She asks him what is the matter. She says it's not like him to just sit around moping. He says something is the matter. When he was captured, the only thought he had was vengeance. but. Now that he's gotten it, he doesn't know what to do. He had thought that it would feel more important, but apparently he just feels empty. Now, right off the bat, I can tell this is probably not a normal woman, because she seems to be rather familiar with him, and he is rather open with him, with her. So, yeah, Morpheus says he used to have a purpose. Once he put everything back the way it was, he didn't feel like he had one anymore. She puts her hand on his knee, and she says that he could have called her. He says he didn't want to worry her. And she stands up and just lays into him. She calls him selfish and says, don't you think that I was worried about you? The man again kicks the soccer ball right at them, and she turns his tie and craps out of the air. And the man says that she's as good as her friend, and she tells him, That's not my friend. That's my brother. Dream accepts her invite to come with her. The man walks up and asks if he will see the woman again, and she says, You'll be seeing me soon, Franklin. He wonders how she knew his name, but when he turns around, both her and Dream are gone. So let me tell you, we have met Dream. And we have met desire. And we know that there is despair and death still out there as siblings. I'm going to go ahead and say, Franklin, you don't want this woman to be either of those two people. And one is probably worse than the other one. And there's a good chance that if she's going to be seeing him soon, she's probably death. Dream and the woman walk down the street, and she buys an apple from a street vendor. She explains that they had a family dinner together while he was missing, and that Desire was in high spirits. Her twin? Eh, not so much. Desire's twin is despair. Dream asks about the prodigal, and she says he's still missing. I don't know if that's a Corinthian or if that's somebody else. So I'm just going to put that in that as a in the back of my mind of there's somebody that they refer to as the prodigal, but they don't know where that person is. The woman then points out that Dream hasn't asked how she was. He does, and she says she is worried about her brother. They stop at a large building, and someone inside is playing music on a violin. Dream says he knows the song, but he hasn't heard it in 200 years. They walk up to find an old man playing the violin, 
but he coughs as they enter. The man introduces himself as Harry. Bad news for Franklin, as this woman is indeed death. Harry asks her not to take him, but she says it's time. And Harry asks for a moment to say something, and he prays in Hebrew. He says he is glad he got to finish the prayer, as his old man used to say that it would guarantee him a place in heaven. Harry looks back to find his dead body on the chair, and death takes Harry to wherever people go when they die. I thought that this was an incredibly well done introduction to death. We, so often, it's it's hard for me not to notice like some of the crutches that people do whenever they try to introduce characters. And I always find it refreshing whenever a show will take its time and not flat out have people call each other bro or sis because people don't do that, but instead have find different unique ways to introduce that. So here you've got a bit of a conversation, and then it's a guy that comes up and that allows Death to say, no, no, this is my brother, not my friend. And I think that's great. And then we don't get her actually referred to as Death. We instead just see her going about her deathly duties, which I think is a much better way than just him being like, Death, you have come for me. You know, things like that. Like, this was a much better way to do it. Death and Dream walk across the bridge, and she says the old man was sweet. Dream tells her that when he was captured, they were looking for her, not him. And she says, I know. Death takes off her shoes and says it's good to touch the earth with your bare feet. They return to the park, and Death calls out to a man. She says, hello, Sam, and he realizes that he must be dead. He says he needs to talk to his wife since they are on their honeymoon, and all that flight information is on his phone. Sam's wife stands up and calls for him, and as he walks away, two people drag Sam's body to the shore, and the woman runs to him. So, did you want to be really dis- depressed? Go ahead and watch this episode. This is just the start of it. I understand we're dealing with death. For sure. It's, a, it's going to be a depressing topic. I feel that, so far, the show is doing a really good job of showing that She's not this, like, boogeyman hiding in the corner and snatching souls. Like, she's trying to help people in their final moments. Which is a, a, a nice way to sort of alleviate a bit of that. But also, it's like, I just watched a woman find out her newlywed husband is dead. And it's going to get worse. Trust me. Stay tuned. Death Ass Dream... Or, sorry, Dream asks Death how she does it. And Death says she has been here since the first living thing existed and will be here when the last living thing gets its life extinguished and she'll put up the chairs and lock up the universe. She says she's not always there for someone's death. She says there's been a few exceptions, like Mad Hetty, which is interesting. Mad Hetty was a character that we just briefly saw in the Constantine episode as she told Constantine that Dream had arrived to talk with her. So, there's another one to kind of put a pin in on. What does she mean by that? Does that mean that Mad Hetty is dead? That she has died off screen? Does that mean that she was already dead when we saw her? I don't know, but it's interesting that specifically they call her out. And of course, she says, there's also your project. Dream asks 
if she means hobgadling. He says he hasn't seen him yet. He actually missed their last appointment. Des says, they fear death but enter Dream's realm each night, even though, as he says, he's far more scary than she is. Death says she did think about giving up and walking out, but didn't. She felt jaded due to everyone thinking that, hey, they were born and they did it themselves. Nobody helped them at all. But then when they die, they get angry. But she understood that she has a purpose. Death then walks up and picks up a baby. Remember what I was talking to you before about how it was going to get worse? It just got worse. She tells the baby, sorry, buddy, that's all you get. The mother calls out that it's time for lunch, and we hear her find her baby dead. <sighs> yep, didn't uh, didn't really want to see that one today, but it happens, and it's a part of life, so I get it. Death and Dream go to hospice, and they find a sick woman, and then they find an, someone that is in an alley that is shot. It's a young teen. And then they find a person out in a field who is overdosed. Death says she used to think she had to do this all by herself, but really, the people she takes are with her. She's not alone when she's doing her job. Death says the whole family is there to serve people. She says their purpose is their function, and she needs the people as much as they need her. Death says she has the to head back soon, and Dream thanks her, saying she has taught him something. Franklin then gets hit by a car, and then he runs up, and Dream says he has an appointment anyways. Franklin comes over and says, you see that car? It was this close to hitting me. And Death takes him over to his body, and that's the last we see of her. Well, her in this time period. Death walks up to a abandoned pub that is marked for demolition, and he remembers back to the year 1389. And he is rocking some medieval hair. And Death is with him, dressed as a maiden. They enter this pub, and Dream tells Death that the fairies came to see him last night, and they are thinking of abandoning this world. Which I, I think they did, right? Death tells him to listen to the people. We get a couple of snippets of conversation that are happening around them, but then a man says he has seen Death. He has seen half his village die to the Black Death. And he says, death is stupid. Someone calls him Hob, so I guess we're getting the origins of Hob Gadling. Hob says he is never going to die. He says the only reason people die is because everyone just goes along with it. Dream asks death why anyone would crave an eternity of this world. Death says that he, she can grant him his wish, and Dream says he will be begging for death within a century. So this whole thing is just a game between the two of them. Dream walks up and says, in 100 years, Robert Gadling will meet him at the pub and tell him how he is enjoying not dying. We then cut to 1489, and Dream returns to talk to Hob. Hob asks him what Dream is. He asks if he has made a bargain with the devil, and Dream says it's not some game. I mean, I feel like it is. And Dream says that he is interested in the experience. He wants to know what it's like for someone to live forever. Hob tells him living forever is fucking brilliant. He marvels at chimneys and playing cards and handkerchiefs and just imagines where this, what this world is going to come up with next. 
Dream asks what Hob has been doing the past hundred years, and Hob says pretty much the same thing I've been doing, but he did get into printing recently. Dream asks if Hob still wants to live, and he does, and they agree to meet again in 1589. Dream meets with Hob again, and he is now dressed as a royal. He is Sir Robert Godling now. He works in the shipyards and has twice come back from a trip as his own son. He was knighted, and he now has a family, a wife and a baby. It's the first time he has had one in 200 years. Another man talks to another man about how good of a writer the man is. And the first man calls the second man Will. So go ahead and take a while guess who this is. Dream asks who the man is, and Robert tells him it's Will Shaksberg. Dream is more interested in Shakespeare than talking anymore with Robert. And Dream walks over and asks Will if he would write great plays and would spur the dreams of men who see them. It was probably about this point that I realized that, like, oh, this whole thing with Hob is definitely Death trying to help her brother out. Which it seems like the two of them are close enough that she would keep doing this. I don't know if you would... To to us, the viewer, it's a, it's a not-so-subtle way of helping Dream. But to Dream, considering that at this point he's 200 years deep into this... It is a very subtle way of her trying to help her brother a bit, because he seems to not understand the people all that well. In 1689, Dream is waiting for Hob, who busts in and is held back by guards. He starts to eat the food in front of him very quickly, and he says a man can get hungry when he cannot die of starvation. Hob says his wife died in childbirth, and his son died when he was 20 in a fight. He's lost everything and they tried to drown Hob as a witch. He spent about 40 years there. He says he has hated every second of the last 80 years. Dream asks him if he still wishes to live. Hob's like, I still have a lot to live for, bro. So even through 80 years of like torment and losing everything, this dude is still like, I can turn this around. When I guess if you have those prospects, if you have the idea of, like, I can't die, I can, I can get through this. It's just a bad, bad patch. It would make a lot of sense. In 1789, Hobbes seems to be doing much better. He tells Dream that he has been stashing away money all over the world in case he has to take off, and he is now into shipping and the slave trade. We see a woman pay off some guards and walks to the pub with them. Dream tells him it's a poor thing to enslave another person. Hob says that he saw King Lear yesterday, and they gave it a happy ending. But Dream responds that it won't last long, and great stories always return to their origins. Hob asks if Dream made a deal with Shakespeare, and Dream says he didn't make a deal for his soul or anything like that. Hob then asks again who Dream is. A woman walks up and asks both of them who the men are. She pulls back her cloak to reveal that it is Joanna Constantine, but not our recent one, an ancestor of Joanna Constantine, but still played by the same actress. She says the reports are that the devil and the wandering Jew meet every or once every 100 years. She has a picture that somebody drew the last time that they met that was apparently found on a dead man's body. She wants immortality. Dream says he's no devil, and Hobbes like, I'm not Jewish. 
The woman reveals to them her name, Lady Joanna Constantine. Dream refuses to go with her, and two men try to attack Dream, but Hob fights them off. Joanna then holds a, neck, a knife to Hob's neck, and Dream tells her to wait. He then blows sand into her face, and she drops to the ground. Dream says he is showing her some old ghosts that she's been carrying around with her. He tells Hob he didn't need to come to his defense. See, while Hob cannot die, he can still get hurt. They agree to meet again in 100 years. In 1889, which at this point will be the last time they meet each other, since we know that in 1989, Dream is in somebody's basement. Dream is stopped by a prostitute. She asks if he would like to buy her a bum dance, and then she requests for him to give her a ride on his cream stick. I love old-timey sexling. It is a, just amazing, the things they come up with. He refuses, and Hob walks up and flips a coin to her. He calls the woman Lushing Lou. But the others in the pub call her the hospital, because she spends so much time in them and also sends a lot of men to them. Dream says her name is Louise Baldwin, and her father was in the British Army. Her cousin raped her, impregnated her, and then left her behind. Hob says, you know everybody, huh? And Dream says he saw Joanna again, and she had did a task for him, and she did a good job. Hob says that that's probably the most he's ever learned about Dream. And then says, you know, I've made some mistakes, but I've learned from my mistakes. But I'm still making new ones. But Hobbs says the Dream has changed. He says he will never seek death. And Dream knows this, and he's only meeting him every hundred years because Dream seeks friendship. Dream says, you dare to suggest that one such as I need companionship. Dream says he will take his leave of him and prove him wrong. You know, a bad time for Dream to miss the next meeting, because Hobbs says, I'll be here in a hundred years' time, and if you're there, that means we are friends. So now it should come full, full circle here, and we should understand what Death was trying to do. And that was... Get Dream to talk to somebody and have a companion. Even if it's only once every hundred years, it's better than what he's been doing now. Hob pulls up in 1989 with a lovely 80s power suit on, and he waits at the pub for Dream. As Dream is locked away in a basement, he of course never shows. Hob gets some whiskey from the bartender, and he tells the bartender that he believes he's been stood up. He says that he and his friend got into a fight, and it was his fault, and he was an idiot. The bartender says that the pub was sold to make room for new flats, so they'll have to find a new pub the next time they meet. Dream looks on at the old pub marked for demolition in the present time, but he sees a spray-painted sign saying, New Pub This Way. He follows it to find a pub named The New Pub. Dream enters to find Hob there. Hob smiles and says, You're late. And Dream says, I owe you an apology. Apparently, it's impolite to make one's friends wait. This, of course, gets a bigger smile from Hob, and Dream sits down and actually returns a smile. What a, what a fascinatingly fun story that was. Like, we actually got to see a different level of Dream, and we've got to see him interact with people, which he normally does not do very well. But here, we actually see that he does have a friend. 
albeit, like I said, one he only sees every 100 years. Now, I'm not sure if Hob actually made this new pub. It seemed like maybe he did, hence the name and like the sign on the old one, kind of pointing Dream in that direction. But either way, a guy is given immortality, and over 600 years later, he seems to have lived a pretty fun life. He's had some ups and downs, but in general, he's doing much better now. And I like the fact that it was it was showing it again that Death usually tries to help her brother out as much as she can. Couldn't find him, of course, locked in the basement, but that wasn't, you know, her fault. We end the episode with a giant building that is shaped like desire, with the center open and a beating heart on display, and Desire stands in their gallery, which is the center of the heart, and calls out to their sister Despair. Desire says, Dream has found his way out of his cage, and we have failed. But, Desire has a new plan, as the episode ends. I talked before about us not really having uh, an antagonist. We still have Corinthians out there. He's still kicking around. He was not at all in this episode. But now we've got Despair and Desire as two people that are opposing forces to, I guess, Dream and Death. Because it seems like Death, she'll, she'll ride with him if she needs to. So, this sort of battle of the endless is shaping up nicely. And I, for one, I'm, I'm very interested. Obviously, we've got a couple more episodes left to go on this, but it is shaping up to be a fun one. So, I want to thank you for listening. And I will catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.